0: Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face, and you get punched in the face a lot as a founder, and you just have to be able to dodge and adjust.
1: Thanks for tuning back into another segment of Demo Day. Today, Anna talks about the changes M13 had to make in the past two years and reveals two startups that were able to totally evolve and turn COVID into a huge opportunity for success were there any companies either within the M13 portfolio or even Techstars cohort um, that you invest in that like really surprised you? They either for good or for bad. And the the kind of follow-up question to that is what were some of the like characteristics or the unifying traits of the founders that you're like, damn, like they were able to pull this together and you know, turn these opportunities, what were some of the traits that you think stood out to you and the ones that like really were able to turn these into opportunities?
0: I'll give you a couple of examples. And one of the areas I'm really excited by, um, is future of work and kind of how the world of work is changing. And these are both actually examples from the future of work. So, um, And both companies that we invested in kind of post-COVID, but having seen the pivot that they were able to accomplish. So one of them was Interviewing.io, LA Company, CEO Aileen Lerner. Um, So Aileen, the the Interviewing.io business model had been, um, it's a platform um, for companies to find engineers who are vetted by doing um, actual-
1: Code Academy uh, and stuff?
0: No, blind to anonymous um, coding interviews with volunteer Expert engineers from FANG companies. So imagine if you're an engineer and you're able to interview with, you know, someone who's an engineer at Google and get feedback anonymously on how you did and then use that in order to present to a potential employer. Interesting. So absolutely genius. And the beautiful thing about it is that these engineers, um, you know, are willing to volunteer their time to do these coding interviews because it's interesting to them and because they fundamentally want to pass on their knowledge. So there's this group of mentors, there's this group of aspiring engineers and putting together with the companies. The original business model was, you know, let's get paid by the companies. COVID, you know, the, the bottom fell out of the job market. Yeah. And then the company was able to immediately pivot, come up with a new business model um, that was focused more on the talent, on monetizing on the talent side, and growth just took off. Right. And so now the company is in, in a great place because they've got both sides of the marketplace working. Um, and this fundamentally is solving a big problem in engineering hiring, which is you go through this whole process and then you get to the technical interview and you find out that the engineer doesn't have what you thought totally. they would have based on their resume. And so this shortcuts that entire process. But what one of the things we found really compelling when we started to get to know that company was watching um, how the team had navigated and really flipped their business model. And that suggests a team that has resilience and is going to be able to you know, do that again in the future If we once again come up, you know, into turbulent times. Um, And the other example is another L.A. company called We Care. Oh, yeah. I just led their series A. So that was just announced in February. Um, um, And that's an incredible story of um, We Care was a child click. Childcare marketplace focused on in-home daycares, so connecting families with in-home in-home daycares. So you, which can, I need desperately. <laughs> <laughs> highly recommend. I can hook you up. Um, but imagine what happened during COVID, which was that business, you know, completely closed up when everybody, you know, had to go into quarantine, and so the company had an opportunity. And and yet, people desperately needed childcare because you're at home trying to work, right? And what are you going to do with your, totally. with your child? Um, so, out of that challenge, the company was able to see this opportunity, which was to offer childcare as a benefit solution to employers. Um, so, they launched an entirely new product during COVID and began approaching companies about, you know, offering a product that was childcare benefits for their workforce and that is now driving the growth of the business wow. and there's this massive opportunity now because two other things changed dramatically during covid that are really giving that business some tailwinds so employers realized that they needed to be offering childcare as a benefit so almost overnight this became from something no one offered to something a majority of employers are planning to offer and then second with this sort of flexible workforce we don't need childcare anymore downtown near our office building where we need it is actually out near where we live. And so we care is perfectly positioned for that, but you could see another team, a different team kind of like falling apart when they literally saw all their business go to zero overnight. Yeah. And instead of falling apart, this team used that as a sort of creative inspiration to come up with a new direction for the business. So, wow,
1: that's uh that's, so that's a really, really awesome story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, when it comes to, m13 in particular have you guys had to change your thesis of like who you invest in because i remember in talking to carl like for the most part there was a lot of b2c focus you know some b2b of course but um you know you mentioned future of work like have you guys had to kind of make changes over the last let's call it two years of kind of where you want to put time and money and energy
0: I think our investment thesis has evolved as kind of the market has evolved. Yeah. So if you think about specifically re- with respect to e-commerce, Fund One, M13's Fund One, which of course I wasn't there for that, but um, invested in a lot of iconic direct-to-consumer brands. You know, so ran- brands like Rothy and Thrive and Ring and Pinterest and Lyft. So some more direct-to-consumer, you know, brands and marketplaces. We've moved um, – Over the, as the fund has matured into kind of the e commerce infrastructure layer. You know, so now we're thinking about services that help direct to consumers brands survive as opposed to the brands themselves. And that's been partly because the market has matured, right? And so the playbook for launching a direct to consumer brand is now well understood and well known. Um, And so we're seeing fewer companies emerge and then rise to the level of unicorns as a direct to consumer brand. But we think there's huge opportunity to support the ecosystem. So I would say it's it's really just an evolution of the investment thesis kind of as the market changes. Totally. And the same thing with respect to future of work. So, you know, we invest both in what you would consider HR tech. So things like WeCare, and we also invested in All Voices, which is a communication platform for Mm -hmm. culture. And then we also are interested in the freelancer marketplace, you know, work marketplace, because we see a future where a lot of work is happening outside of work, where there will be people building entire great careers that won't have a quote-unquote job. Totally. And I personally believe that in this idea that job secure income security – will become decoupled from the idea of a job so that you know we have this idea in our minds that security is kind of I go work at IBM for 40 years I think that idea is no longer plays and that new security is having multiple income streams
1: I totally agree I I I mean I oftentimes think about how that will how coefficient labs will continue to evolve because pre-covid like I've been on many podcasts where I said like our team will never go remote you know I've been a part of championship sports teams and basketball and like we go to the big game together and we come back and that if we're not all together how can we be this great team and then we went into covid and we all were separated and we hired new teammates from you know washington dc and new york city and peru and canada and we like really were able to work with this like amazing talent and our team almost tripled in size we became like in many ways more efficient. And now that we're back together, I'm really like thinking in my mind, like, how do we keep evolving? Cause like, there's for sure the energy, you know, I bought everyone breakfast burritos yesterday and like that opportunity to just sit and hang out with each other. Um, but I oftentimes wonder like, how will this continue to evolve? Especially as like, there's so many opportunities and as a business owner, you know, part of me wants to like hold tight and make sure that we're all in this together. And the other part of me is like, well, maybe there's just are there better ways of doing it? And not just for us, but for everyone on the team. Um, So I'm definitely like, you know, interested to see how this plays out in this new gig economy where many people could have three or four or five jobs, even if that's what they so choose.
0: Sure. I mean, in your case, you know, are there people whose skill and expertise in one particular area is so great that you're fine having them for 10 hours a week and they're doing something else for the rest of the time. And maybe that's your whole team or maybe it's half your team or, you know, I think, I think we're all asking these questions now.
1: For me, I keep coming back to like the the answer to your question is yes, there is for sure a world where it's like, oh, you're amazing at podcast production. Great. We do one podcast a week and it's three hours of time. But like the other flip side of it is like, but what about the on the bus off the but Like, what about that? Like feeling that we're building something together? Doesn't it leave the weak hairs of the world like the founding team? It's like, wait, aren't we all building together? Like, um, isn't there a loss of that connectivity?
0: I think that is absolutely the big question that we're trying to figure out, because Mm. I think as 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 a company, you need both. Right. So you need that culture and who's holding your culture if everybody is kind of a part-timer and a freelancer totally. and may not feel so connected, right? So you have to solve for that connection. And I think also as humans, like the, the, as individuals, we need that connection and community. Yeah. So if you're working all freelance or you've got five different jobs and you don't necessarily feel so tied to any of them, you know, where's your community coming from? Totally. So, so I mean, I think those are absolutely the right questions. I think in the best of all possible worlds, you can have both. There's a blend of, there's yeah. There's a blend,
1: yeah. Huh, okay, okay, all right. I know so
0: I don't have the answer, but yeah. I think it's the right question.
1: Totally. Yeah, because yeah, there's like there are moments when I'm cause our schedule right now, since we've come back, we're doing uh Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Everyone gets in around like six. 745 to 815. So really early. And then we're out at 615. And so it's like, damn, like Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday are long days. And then on Thursday we close the office at 233. And so everyone comes in Thursday.
0: No, oh 2:33. Oh, 2:30 or 3. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Two I was thir- like, why specifically 233? Yeah. yeah something yeah, special yeah, yeah. about that time.
1: <laughs> no, like sometime around <laughs> 2:30 or okay. 3, we close yeah. the office down. And so everyone has kind of like summer Thursdays right. where they're off and then Fridays are remote. And in my mind, it's like, hey, let's all come in Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Like, let's really right. work together. And then Thursday comes. And it's like, ah, OK, we all right. are out. We can spend time with family and Friday's remote. And part of me just wonders, like, you know, I'm trying to build that of like, hey, do, you know, take Friday and work from home right. and Thursday. But there's also this part of me that's like, is this the best for the company? Um, and Should it be different than, and I'm just still not sure. Or um, should
0: everyone be able to figure out what's best for them? But then you lose the time when you're all there together. So
1: Totally. And and I'm like, well, that wouldn't work. I'm like, no, it did work. It worked for two and a half years. Everyone got what they needed to get done done. And maybe we didn't get the breakfast burritos hanging right. out together. But
0: but my guess is also that you had something to build off of because you had been, most of the team had been previously all together. Yeah. So I think that's a really important point that sometimes people miss is that we've all been kind of drafting off of the connection and community that we had before COVID totally and still true. relying on that. Right? That's
1: actually very true because in the, you know, in early March, it was more of like, hey, like, are you guys good? Or is ever like we had all gone right. through it together. And so we just had to make it work right. and, and now coming back. But certainly as I'm like, you know, we're 16 teammates now and we were yeah. seven going into COVID eight. Um, and I'm thinking like, well, what about the next 20? Are they all have to be in LA? Like we don't have enough, enough room. So right. if we start expanding, what does that mean for the, the original culture? But uh, anyway, I appreciate you jamming <laughs> with me uh, in that world. <laughs> uh, I want to bring us back to, uh, M13, um, We've talked about this early on when you know when it came to tech stars, but I'm curious, like, what are the sorts of qualities and traits that you look for in founders? One thing that stuck out to me, and I've used your line like a dozen times, and every time I say it to people, they're like, "Ooh, that's a good one." Is uh, strong convictions loosely held, and I like love that because I remember you saying it's something you look for where they really believe, but also they're willing to take coaching and adjust. Um, has your philosophy changed at all? Like now that you're meeting more senior founders, um, what do you like to see in them? What are the traits or qualities that you're looking for that are sort of like your magic, um, you know, formula for, I want to invest in this team.
0: I mean, I still love that phrase because I think there's so much packed into it, you know, so strong convictions, you have to have a point of view, you know, and you have to be able to express that point of view clearly. I've, you know, the more I've, I've talked to founders, the more I've realized storytelling is really the key skill, honestly. Really? Um, and so for me, strong convictions relates to that and loosely held is really about, um, you know, like being open, being teachable, right? If you are walking into a situation thinking that you're business plan is baked and you're just going to march and execute it and you're a strong operator, that's not going to be a great founder. That might be a great COO for like a larger scale company, but for an early stage founder, that doesn't work because, you know, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face <laughs> and you get punched in the face a lot as a founder and you just have to be able to dodge and adjust. And so that's loosely held. But, you know, the storytelling thing has really, um, for me, come into prominence you know and maybe it's partly from meeting so many founders over zoom all right? and having to like hear their stories just virtually and get to know them that way you are storytelling every minute you're storytelling to investors you are storytelling to people that are going to come join your team you're storytelling to your customers you've got to have a clear idea of what you're offering and why it's compelling and to be able to communicate that Um, In a powerful way that inspires people. So that's like something I look for because that person who's a strong storyteller, regardless what their, um, you know, what their subject matter expertise or skills are like, if they can do that, they'll be able to hire and inspire those those people. You know, the CEO has three jobs, you know make sure the company doesn't run out of money. So that's revenue and fundraising to set a strategy that's inspiring and communicated to people and then hire people and get out of their way. Mm-hmm. You know, that's pretty much it. And so storytelling really comes into play across all three of those.
1: Yeah. And it sounds to like for the strong convictions loosely held, it almost like perfectly encapsulates the interview.io story and the we care story because it's like, they had very strong convictions on where they wanted to go but if they had kept those convictions without like changing it up they would probably be out of business and so they were able to like adjust with the market and um and kind of move with it when it comes to um investments like i don't know i would imagine or my i guess my question for tech stars in particular maybe even m13 were most of the investments in los angeles and then once covid happened did you start looking outside of Los Angeles? And I guess the following question to that is, what's exciting? Where is exciting right now to you that's outside of San Fran or kind of these main hub spots?
0: So it's interesting because when COVID hit, so my first COVID investing experience was Techstars 2020. Um, You know, and I could have, chosen companies really that were anywhere and still they mostly were in LA. Mm. Um, I just, you know, I have I started out early on deciding that I was going to build my career around helping build the LA tech ecosystem and invest locally. And I've pretty much stuck with that. Um, even at M13, where we really can invest anywhere. Um, I just, I tend to gravitate towards founders who are here. Maybe it's because of the personal connection. Maybe it's because of the network. Um, You know, that's just the way that it's in. But um, what was the second part of your question?
1: Well, the second part of the question is, is like um, what other cities? Oh, yeah. What's exciting? Yeah.
0: You know what? L.A. is more exciting now than ever. I mean, what is happening in L.A. right now is incredible. And this has been starting for a long time. Look, there have been, you know, what is now, I guess, the old guard of LA tech, you know, upfront and crosscut, um, you know, setting the stage here in the community, um, you know, have been around for a long time, and this community has grown and I think diversified in a really interesting way. And just I think the most interesting companies are, are here in LA. I think there's great stuff happening in Web three that's really innovative. You know, ecom infrastructure. There's a lot happening here in that area. Um, you know, we've got deep tech here, we've got biotech, like space tech is absolutely exploding. That's not an area we're investing, but it's like an incredibly exciting area. So, um, and we're just seeing this community grow but retain its core quality, which I would would describe as kind of um generosity and community support. You know, we were worried a few years ago. I remember there was a lot of conversation of like we're worried if LA gets too big. People will stop supporting each other and it'll become kind of more, you know, backbiting and trying to just, yeah. you know, and I have not felt that at all. I have I've just felt like that generosity and that feeling of like we can all rise together has just continued.
1: That's what I always love the most about the like um, give first mentality at Techstars yeah. because I think that, you know, if you're not taught that at a really like early part of your journey in a startup, it can be very transactional. Like I'm going to like they do this for me then i do this for them and if they make an intro here then i can do this whereas i think you're hearing a lot more of the concept of you know give give the value first and if things you know end up working out after that amazing but i i think that you know that certainly is something that i found amazing about the la community that you don't see as much you know as you move into like sf where there's Um, you know, just much bigger companies there. You don't need, at least it doesn't feel as though you need that much community because the teams are so much larger.
0: Absolutely. And look, it's like driven by, a few people in the community who kind of set the tone for everyone else, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think all the people at Upfront, you know, have been very give first, right? There's people like Mickey Reynolds, there's people like Austin Clemens, there's people like Minnie Ingersoll. Yeah. You know, um, the Techstars community in LA, like I like to feel like at M13, we're also bringing that kind of, you know, give first vibe. And I see new people coming in and kind of like, trying to understand the lay of the land and kind of, un- and then embracing it, which is which is cool to see.
1: Stay tuned for our next segment with Anna Barber where Anna links the connection between self-care and hustle culture. She also shares what investments M13 is making towards the future of work.